it's intriguing. It's a pretty neat concept. And uh, after figuring out a few more things, we figured out how to make it so that it, it can be profitable. Hey, what's up? It's Tori Mathis, your host, and I am here with the one and only Sean Mathis, founder of Miles Through Time Automotive Museum. What's going on? So Sean has had a busy month, month and a half. Yeah. Getting his new business up and running. If you've been following, uh, we ended up having to take over the antique shop that was part, well, that we were subletting from for miles through time and took on the lease there and are transforming it into our own antique market. And so Sean has been there doing renovations, hiring, getting all the new vendors situated. How's everything going? Uh, we are just about done with uh, the vast majority of uh, the renovations. You know, we, we, the, the whole point, like it was, <laughs> it's so hard to describe because it was so bad before, you know, it, with the museum, we were, we were inside of a antique flea market area. We were essentially a vendor there. Right. But we took up a large portion on the inside of it and, uh, created our own entrance to it within the, within the flea market and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately all we had control over was what behind, what was behind those red doors, you know? So anything outside of where the actual museum was, we had nothing to do with it. And therefore we couldn't do anything about any of the issues. Uh, and there was no shortage of issues. So when the opportunity came to take over this lease and, and take over the entire space, it then enabled us to uh, control the entire experience the moment you pulled into the parking lot. But when you first had the opportunity, you actually didn't want to take it? No, not at all. <laughs> Why would I want a, uh, an antique store? Uh. Uh, now, and, well, and part of that, like, I, that's not my wheelhouse. I don't, I don't care you know like i we've gone to antique stores and i bought stuff from there but by no means did i ever be like i gotta own me one of these someday you know what though we actually did kind in of. a way like when we lived in idaho we would go to this uh consignment store which had some antiques and different things it was mostly furniture it was it was and unique we furniture. always talked about how cool it would be to have a business like that and then when we started to go to the ones in north carolina there were ones in these old um like Cotton mills? No, the cotton mill ones mm -hmm. that were the coolest old buildings. And we thought this would be cool to have a business in one of these old buildings. Like I think of it as like some of these things have kind of fallen in place. Like it, it's not exactly what I had pictured, but it is things that we kind of talked about that I think I think that's kind of neat. Yeah. 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 I mean, the the building's got some character there's still other well, things that are outside of my control that drive me nuts but. well yeah well in, in in any type of old building you're gonna have that and some of the old buildings are definitely much cooler than this one um like we were just out to dinner and we were at a building that had like these really cool old wooden floors and i think some of those mm -hmm. old mills have old wooden floors that are just so much history and detail and just neatness in there this one doesn't have that it's just crappy concrete 
It is concrete. Yeah. So it doesn't have that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so it's taking on more than we plan to. But now you have some control over from the, what'd you say? From the parking lot on in. Mostly. There's some things that are in the parking lot that I don't have control over that drive me nuts. You know, the U-Hauls are, are no longer in front of our building, but they are still down at the end of the parking lot and you still have to pass through them. That was a problem that Sean had before is that the guy that was running the flea market thing, which was was kind of his overflow. So it wasn't like his main part of his business because he's got an antique shop in the front of the thing. So it really wasn't nice. It was just really overflow extra stuff. And how we found is that a lot of the vendors were using it as kind of overflow extra and not putting their good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the guy was actually for extra money was was renting U-Hauls. And so the counter that people took tickets to got tickets for the museum was also the place that people would go to return and to pick up U-Hauls. And so people would have to wait there. The U-Hauls were parked in front of the building so it is nice that they're a little bit further and they are no longer in your part of the building at all right so that's nice but they are still big trucks that are at the end of the parking lot right when you pull in um but again you can't really do no i mean what we did was there's a couple light poles and we put big banners up on the light poles that stick up above the u-hauls so you can see those no matter what um, and then last week we stuck a 61 Volkswagen Beetle into a tower that again, you can, you can see that from the road. So all you got to do is go towards the, the cool stuff in front of you and you, you hit our location, you know, as opposed to taking a quick right and going to the, uh, where the bowling alley is and the other antique store. So, and that's, that's some of the biggest challenge for people that have been there before that are used to taking that right and going to the 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 big in-your-face antique store that's not blocked by anything uh the challenge is is getting them to to go straight and find us um we got a few more things that we can work on to get all that going but appearance wise once once you find it it looks so much better i mean we painted the whole building uh we put new signs up new lights uh painted the front doors and then once you go into the building, we lined that whole entrance with rough cut wood, and reconfigured the counter, built a new wood, uh, rough cut wood wall behind the counter. Um, we got it wired for new pendant lights that I got coming that apparently uh, I ordered something that said seven to 12 weeks. So <laughs> they're on a boat somewhere in the ocean. Um you know, I think one of the big things, because we talked about control, and so when Sean would want to get new vehicles in or vehicles in and out of the museum, we actually, there's loading docks, but it's not easy access to them. And how the the building is configured, to get to the loading dock, we actually had to go through another business. And so by taking full control over the entire space and having us be you know, the ones that are leasing it, Sean was able to actually cut a hole in through the museum wall and put, you just got your door put in last night. Last night they installed the new garage door. So there's a garage door now that opens up. So now cars can actually drive straight through the front doors of the antique market um, and straight into the museum, which is huge because that was a big problem that you had before getting vehicles in and out. Which is kind of funny because we're pulling cars right through another business. It's just that business is ours. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And and the thing is, is we actually had to move 
one we 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 really only moved one vendor completely out of the way to go into the the new museum uh, and then kind of squished the other ones and spread them out to make room through the one door or one wall so we cut two openings into two different walls um, and then the the space where the museum is expanding on that was the big challenge of getting everybody out of that space the vendors the vendors the antique vendors so the space next to sean um that wasn't the museum was full with again like over and, and it was not full it had a bunch of stuff in there but it was not it was not organized well with a bunch of uh, gridded booths by any means um so some of those people left completely. Some of them uh, wound up going to the other antique store. And um, the others, we relocated them into new spaces that we found you know, that were not utilized at all. And we like to talk about the fact that you can't really plan for things. And you don't really... I mean, you can assume a lot of things, but you never really know what's going to happen until you actually get into there. And... Because some vendors had to move and because it was overflow for this other business, um, everybody was paying a lot of different prices for their booth. And so one thing that Sean noticed is that, you know, the, the prices ranged greatly. But in order to get organized and in order to allow the manager to have better control over everything, like Sean had to set some prices and you were kind of uh, worried about what people were going to say about prices. But what did you find? Uh, it, there, there was no way of knowing who was going to react the way they were going to react. If you looked at their sales, you looked at their booth, you looked at the amount of square footage they had, there's nothing that could tell you the reaction these people were going to have, uh, which was very interesting because if I was a betting person, I, there were certain ones that I would have guessed would have freaked out completely. And uh, most of those people did not. Some others that you know, we're talking $20 increase for a good size booth that they have enough sales to cover it like it's nothing completely going sideways on us. Um, and, and it was just every little bit in between. Um, but for the most part, they, you know, most of them, it was all good. I think we lost three. And you have had brand new people come in mm -hmm. that are probably going to be great additions, right? Oh, yeah. What is the, the coolest one that's come in, do you think? Uh, the coolest one is going to go right at the entrance. And he, he does uh, custom metal sculptures, Volkswagen buses, and, and really cool stuff that I think is going to be... Uh, he's going to need more time to, to create more because I think they're going to go super fast. But then we had we had some others where, you know, a lady was in the one section of the antique store and took up a ton of space. And she was one I was really nervous about because, I mean, she was in like 700 square feet and she wasn't paying anywhere near that rate for that amount of footage. So there was no way she was going to stay there and and pay that amount that I would, I would charge her for that amount of square footage. Uh, and at first when we told her, you know, hey, look, this is... This is the amount of space you're taking up. This is the rate that everybody that's already here is paying. Um, you know, we'll we'll work with you on on downsizing and and getting you into something so you're not you know having to pay something that would be so much more. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was she was not happy 
And then next thing you know, we talked to her a little bit. These are all the things that we're doing. This is the stuff. Here's it actually another spot you can go to. Uh, she wound up moving the whole thing into a smaller spot, but then wound up taking another spot. And I just found out yesterday that once another lady leaves that's right next to the museum entrance, she wants that spot. Really? What does she sell? What kind of stuff? All kinds. She's got car stuff. She's got glasses. I mean, she's sold a vintage sled. She's got another sled. Uh, she's got cool stuff. And, and the thing is, is she puts the effort into creating a cool booth. You know, and, and I would have never guessed that she was the same vendor that was in the front right that I was worried about her leaving. I mean, she took a whole bunch of that stuff and, and created an awesome booth and removed some stuff that didn't matter. And now it's, I mean, it's right there at the exit of the museum and she's going to wind up taking it right at the entrance of the museum. And she's paying the proper amount, you know, and so now it's how, how many people can we get in there to get eyes on her stuff, to buy her stuff so that she wants to stay. A lot of the places that we've gone to before, antique-wise, I think that have been really neat. That like the the people with their booths have created their own little space, like mm-hmm. this unique, almost like it's their own little store. So it'll be neat to see who actually does that and really kind of grasps the opportunity that they have because there's not that many antique stores with a car museum right next to it that I think they have a really unique opportunity to to get in front of those types of people. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's not like they have to have nothing but car stuff. You know, people are still wanting to go in there and, and searching for all kinds of antiques and collectibles and um, unique things that have been created by people that you can only buy there. You know, it there, there's all kinds of stuff, especially you get, you know, it's a great opportunity for uh, a couple to go in and maybe the one doesn't want to go into the museum. So they go shopping around while the other one's looking in the museum and then they come back out and and uh, shop together. Yeah, I mean, it really is a really unique experience that, again, I never planned on going, hey, let's do this museum with an antique store in it. <laughs> Or an antique store with a museum. And it just, it didn't, it, it wasn't in my mind ever of doing something like this. But we found it's intriguing. It's a pretty neat concept. And uh, after figuring out a few more things, we figured out how to make it so that it it can be um, profitable, which is key. And, and it enables the museum to, you know, st- stay open. <laughs> what do you think the biggest challenge so far has been uh communication with all the vendors we've got uh, around 40 of them uh, and there has been no communication leading up to this massive change Uh, and that created a whole lot of issues and and we're still working through a lot of those issues but i think after after next month, once everybody has been on our system for the month and we've collected everybody's rent and we've cut checks and everything's going forward, there is no no more overlap for anything else that was there. Um, I think it'll smooth itself out quite a bit more. But but really that, that lack of communication between all these people that are involved. It's, I mean, ultimately, you think about it, it's like it's their business as well. You know, and and so for them to not know what's going on and then to all of a sudden find out these things are changing and they're 
you know, their rate is completely changing. Their space is changing. All these things. I had no way of contacting them until we got able to contact them, you know? Right. Um, so the kind of that, uh, that verbal judo is, is what came in to like smooth some of these people over that their first reaction was to freak out. Tell me about your verbal judo. Hey, it's, you know, you gotta, where'd you learn verbal judo, Sean Matthews? (laughs) When I was a police officer in Idaho, it's a good way to figure out how to, uh, you know, smooth down the situation, not let something get out of control. People's emotions can get heightened and, you know, get super upset. And then you wind up saying something you don't want to and, and all these different things. And ultimately, um, you, you, you let them get upset a little bit and then you, you come back and be like, OK, but here's all the things that we're going to do. You know, it's not like, you know, we took over and uh, we're going to squeeze you for every ounce you got like that's. Once they knew that's not what we were doing, and then everything that we are doing is there to make it better for them, um, which is making it better for all the visitors, um, then it was just a matter of, like, they want to be a part of us or they don't. And ultimately, it's been kind of neat to go, well, if you don't, you know, goodbye, because people are on standby waiting to take over some of these spaces. That's cool. And the new people are paying the actual rate, you know, that we set forward. You know, so I actually discounted the rate at just an even number to make it easy to figure all this stuff out for everyone that was there. Because, again, we were, I mean, that was that was everything from less than 30 cents a square foot to, um, I think, one guy paid $1.25. And that was the only guy that packed up and left immediately. And it was like, I don't want to do any of this. Like, you're the only one that was paying the right amount. Really? Yeah. He, was, he had all the books. And that his space has already been rented out. So, bye-bye. Did he say why he didn't want to do it? No. Like, maybe just wasn't into it no. anyway? No. And the, the thing is, uh, I'm finding a lot of people have a lot of opinions on all kinds of aspects of all this kind of stuff. So, as I learn all this, I, I get educated myself quite a bit. Um, and it's it's been interesting, to say the least. What has been your most, like, surprising thing for it? Uh, surprising. Um, I was actually surprised that some of these people were just like, um, completely okay with paying more. Uh, There, there, like there was, there was one booth where she paid a hundred dollars for the space and it's like almost 400 square feet. I think it's like 392. So at the rate I did, for everybody that's there, dollar square foot made math real simple, which made her space go up substantially. Well, you said some people were paying like 30 cents, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, and, and this particular one, it's like a, it's a platform. It's a sweet killer area. And you look at her sales and I'm like, it, she's not doing much. Um, up and except for last month, she sold a bunch of furniture while we were there. So the manager I hired sold all of her furniture for her. And so I'm thinking, there's no way she's going to be okay with this. And she's like, it was nothing. Just, she actually, she actually said that she was not been bringing things in because of previous management there. When you told me that people were 
holding back on the space and that some people were just utilizing it for storage mm-hmm. for the the antique shops other, at other places that were actually having sales. I, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So once I let them know, like, <laughs> we're not doing that here. Like, you, you're going to put effort into what it is because it it helps everybody. You know, right. it, it helps all the vendors if these people are actually putting effort into their booth. So if they're the person that doesn't care and doesn't come in for four months, then uh, you probably shouldn't be here. And in which case, the rate increase on them is not going to make sense for them. Well, if they had no turnover, though, you know, in the items that they had and they didn't need to come in and sell every form, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a totally different business than one that's going to be marketing it and trying to get, you know, more people to come through. Well, see, and that's part of it, too, that I, I didn't know really anything about how an antique store runs. And so as I did some research on this and, and, and I, I read some article and it was, it, it told me that antiques, the antique store business was not about sales. It's a rental business. Okay. It's about the square footage. And I don't think I fully grasped that until I read that. And then that's why I've been full on board trying to find out exactly how much square footage we have for everything and optimizing absolutely everything we possibly could. That was something that I found very interesting and surprising when we sat down with the old owner that he didn't know the total square footage. He didn't know all of these things. And then there were lots of places that like we opened a door and it was just all of his crap and you've actually maximized Mm -hmm. all of the space there. How much extra square footage do you think you've added in all of this? Do you know about? Uh, It's around 1,500 more square feet. So in taking, getting all the vendors out of that backspace that we moved the museum into, we still have increased the number of paying vendors so, Just by doing a better job of laying it out, getting people in the proper size. By relocating <laughs> everybody and uh, removing anybody that does not pay for their space, uh, we, we actually have more than we did before. That's amazing. And do you still have spaces available right now? We do. Uh, we've got... Uh, do you have that uh, cage still available? The cage is still available. And then one 10 by 20 and one 10 by 12. And... Uh, and just a couple wall spaces. That's it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Oh, there is one eight by 18. There's that one is available. So there's, there's four good sized booths and then the rest are small wall spaces. And we've, we rented out a whole bunch of them that have coming soon in January. Really? Mm-hmm. Very neat. So for the museum though, so that's all the stuff with the vendors and the antique market, but this has been a really big change for the museum too. Almost doubling in size. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've already brought in some cool stuff. You brought in Sean and that, Sean and you and Riley went and picked up the turntable, right? Mm-hmm. So Sean got a donated full size car turntable and you've got that put together. Um, what else have you brought in now that you've kind of got the renovation going? And then what are you expecting to bring in? We've added. Uh, 19 more display cabinets for a total of 38. Oh my gosh, really? In the museum. Once all those cabinets are full, we'll have over 7,000 model cars on display. 7,000? And then we've got uh, 
Friday, Riley and I will go up there and install 30 feet of pallet racks. I am so excited about that. We went to Tennessee to... Coker. Coker. To the Coker Museum, and they had this wall, and it was three or four high? It was a lot more impressive than what we're doing. However, like even at a... Yeah, it's just such a good idea. These pallet racks sit about three and a half feet tall, four feet tall. So it's four feet between like each one. And then they have motorcycles on them. And it just, it really is something different. I like adding height. Like I think when you can add height to it and get people's eyes to like move rather than just have everything, you know, at that same Mm -hmm. level. So you're going on Friday to put Mm -hmm. those together. Yep. Do you have enough motorcycles right now to fill them? Or what's the plan there? Uh, We don't have enough motorcycles for all of it. Uh, We should be getting two more motorcycles, Mm -hmm. some Spanish dirt bikes from the 70s um, that are pretty rare, and then a lot of pedal cars going on it, which would be pretty cool. How, because the pedal cars are so small for the space taken up, how are you filling those? They'll take the top two rows. Okay. Or top one row, and so then the motorcycles either be on the bottom or the middle. That's neat. It should it should be pretty neat. What else? You just had a couple things come in. You had the airplane come in, which is yeah. Awesome. We we got an airplane twenty four uh, foot wingspan. Uh huh. Very neat. Yep. The, What's the plan with that one? That plane needs to be restored. But you're not gonna restore it, restore it, are you? No. It, I mean, it, it's it's literally a a quick little makeover. We're gonna slap some OD paint on it. Um, put the Army Star on there. The wings are going to get re-wrapped, uh, re-wrapped in fabric and then painted. Uh, and then it goes into the military exhibit with uh, some old willies underneath the wings. Very cool. So we've got two military vehicles right now. We've got three more coming in, and now we're adding the military plane to it. And that'll be a whole military exhibit all on its own. That's neat. It'll be pretty cool. I'm very excited about that. Sean and I were both in the military, if you didn't know. Uh, I was in the Army. Sean was in the Air Force. So... Little, little near and dear, very cool. Yep. And then you had an Audi come in this week. Uh, yeah. Last week we had a, an Audi Quattro RS come in, which is a super rare car. And then we had a 1990 Miata, which is hard to believe that car is as old as it is nowadays because it. You know, it's a classic looking. Like it's not. It doesn't look really dated. Like it looks like. It, a, it, yeah, I was surprised when you told me what year that was. Yeah. That's a cute little car. Um, so that, those those cars are in there for short term, and then we've got uh, Cadillac should be coming in next week, and then we've got another fourteen cars coming in. Wow. All in January. Which one are you most excited about? Do you have one? The DeLorean. DeLorean coming in. That should be pretty awesome. So what is going to be on the turntable? Everybody asks me that. I know. I want to know, too. Have you decided? Uh, first, it will probably be Pops 59. Awesome. Uh, it'll probably be the, the very first one on there. And then uh, I will most likely pull that off after not too long and get behind the wheel again because it's been a while. Very cool. Um, and then we've got that 62 Lincoln Continental that might go in there, um, at least in between what we do with it. Um, whether or not it makes it on the turntable, who knows, but that is definitely a super cool car that will not fit in the garage here. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's really, there's all kinds of stuff, man. There's, 
There's a whole Corvette collection that's supposed to be coming in. It's really hard to like really plan this kind of stuff because even like laying it out, like I we we opened the whole extra space, and I kind of just blew out what we had so that there wasn't like a a big hole anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge of trying to keep it look like it's not a complete mess, but then still fill the space, like that's a challenge. But then not like doing so much that I'm. I'm going to have to like do multiple things once more cars come in. Um, but I, like, I can't, I can't go, okay, well, the, these cars are going to go here for sure. I don't know until the other cars come in because it might not work. Right. You know, so that's now, now it's at that, well, we need to get those other cars in there to really configure out, you know, configure how this whole layout's going to work. But once it's all done, then it, it should be pretty cool. There should be no, uh, hey, this is, uh, really small. It should be, it should be impressive to everybody at this point. Do you worry that it's not impressive? No, I don't worry because I know it's impressive. It blows my mind. We had somebody in there, a family, um, like five people. So they paid for five tickets. Mm-hmm. Monday, I think it was. They were in and out within ten minutes. Oh no! There's no way you could get through there in they ten minutes. Run through it. I don't know. They didn't read anything. No. I mean, they didn't even slow down to like really take in anything. That's curious. Like, I wonder if they were at a time crunch or they were there to see like one thing or that's interesting. I, I, I did see them taking pictures. But it was that quick. But never, it was quick. <laughs> to me, I'd want to like take it in a little bit. I mean, it, it should take you a little while to get through that. Yeah. I mean, if you, even if you didn't read anything, but you like spent maybe they only had 30 seconds on each car you're, you're going to be there for a while maybe they only had a few minutes and yeah, they it, really it's, wanted to it's crazy they didn't go out like this socks no <laughs> well, that's good no. yeah. that is crazy though that's not very much time Mm-mm. no it's yeah, once once it's all done with all these cars you, sh- you should be in there for an hour so i least. think you could be in there for an hour before you expanded oh yeah yeah and there's a lot to see uh, once we get all the signage, if you were to read everything in there, it, it would take you well over an hour. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. Lots of big stuff happening. Yep. Hopefully it's all done uh, by January. By the end of January? Or when? Yeah, probably by the end of the Jan- uh, end of January. And then uh, once I know the mass when the mass majority of these cars are in there, then we'll start planning some sort of grand Grand opening event that uh, I'd like to do kind of an after hours type thing and have all the vendors from Vintage Garage Antique come and all the owners of the cars come and and have it be an opportunity for everyone to... Is that a private event? I I think it would be by invite only. That's cool. And... uh, like a catered event. So one of the kind of a thank you for being a part of all of it kind of thing, which we haven't really ever done before. So it should be kind of neat. And then we'll do uh, an open, like a car show or something later after that. But I I think for everybody that's a part of it, it it would be kind of a a special thing for everybody that's, that is actually a part of it. I think it's nice that we have something that we have other people that we can can be grateful and thankful and do things for them. Mm-hmm. 
because I always feel like that's such an important thing. And we've just, we've always stayed so small that we haven't really had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And you're good at that. So I'm excited. Good stuff. Uh-huh.